Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Green. Today, we have industry experts with their insights and perspectives on the latest cybersecurity news that affects your agency and organization. Today, we have Richard Clark, Chairman and CEO at Good Harbor. Good day, Richard. How are you doing? Very good. How are you? Doing pretty well. I'm excited to have you on our podcast today. Good to be with you. A lot of exciting things to talk about. Up first, I want to talk to you about uh, something that's been going on around the voting machines. Um, we've seen and some have suggested that voting machines should be considered critical infrastructure. What is a realistic possibility, probability of hackers impacting this year's or past elections? Well, I think there are two ways to uh, hackers can uh, affect an election. One is they can do what the Russians have already apparently done, which is hack into one party uh, and then publish uh, internal emails in an attempt to embarrass that party. Uh, they've done that already, uh, so that's not conjecture. Uh, beyond that, the Russians have also apparently been sniffing around at voter registration sites uh, and trying to get into the voter registration databases. And you may wonder why they would do that. Uh, one theory uh, is that if you struck people off the list, then when those people went to vote and they weren't on the list, uh, they would have to stop and fill out a protest form. And if you do that enough in certain key precincts, it ties up the line. And if the line gets too long, people might go home. Um, so if you could take key battleground states and key districts in those states, let's say, for example, um, let's say Pennsylvania were a battleground state and it was close, and you went into the voter registration list and you struck African Americans in Philadelphia, maybe one out of 10 or one out of 20 off the list, then that could cause really long lines in certain key precincts uh, in West Philadelphia, perhaps, or North Philadelphia. Uh, There's no evidence that that has happened, but that is at least one explanation as to why the Russians would be trying to get into the voter lists. Machines are a lot harder to get into, uh, and in most places the machines have a paper paper trace backup uh, that could be counted in a, in a challenge. Um, but there are some few locations where there are purely electronic uh, voting machines and there's no way uh, of doing a recount. So given that, what must be done to secure our nation's election process? Well, I, I think one thing that should be done is the federal government should mandate that in federal elections uh, that machines have to have a paper backup. Uh, that's one thing. And I think the other thing is that the federal government could give grants to the states um, to have better cybersecurity uh, software, uh, firewalls, intrusion detection systems, that sort of thing, endpoint uh, protection for the, for the election offices, because most states don't spend very much money uh, protecting the uh, computer network for their Secretaries of State, uh, which is usually what runs the elections. Recently, recently, we've seen the massive data breach with Yahoo. 
I think Bruce Schneier was on record as saying state sponsor activities often code for please don't blame us for our shoddy security because it was really some sophisticated attacker and we can't expect or can't be expected to defend ourselves against that. Do you agree with Bruce? And why yeah. do you think do you agree with Bruce is the first part of that? And the second part is why do you think we are failing so miserably in prevention and early detection with these massive data breaches? Well, I, I think Bruce is right. And if you go back to the famous, the most one, most famous breaches, which was the Target uh, chain store, uh, one of the senior officials of Target testified before Congress that this was a very sophisticated breach. And how could we possibly be expected to stand up against it? And I laughed. I laughed out loud when I heard him say that. It's, it's, it's what everybody says now when they're attacked. Oh, I was attacked by the most sophisticated how could I possibly stand up? In the case of Target, the sophisticated attacker was a teenager uh, in Ukraine who had written the malware. Uh, and that point-of-sale malware had been for uh, months available on the Internet uh, that you could get, buy it through the dark web. Uh, and Target should have been aware of that the point of sale software was was out there and i think bruce is right all too often people say oh how could anyone have stood up against the attacks when in fact most people do stand up successfully against those kind of attacks i think the reason people get into stores like target the reason they get into yahoo and other places is those organizations don't take cybersecurity seriously uh, they don't have experts they don't keep up to date in their technology. And if you if you don't do a good job, uh, you're going to be hit. It seems like most of these breaches are basic security hygiene stuff where so many people are either not doing consistently or continuously. It just seemed like the basic failure there. Well, a lot of people don't uh, keep up with technology. So... It used to be antivirus was a nice, you know, everybody should have an antivirus system. Today, antivirus really doesn't do very much for you. And what you're much better off with is a sort of next generation endpoint protection software. Well, if your procurement system is slow, if your technology refresh cycle is slow, if you can't jump out of your annual budget and buy something that you didn't budget for a year ago, uh, because now you need it, because the, the system has changed, the threat has changed, well, then you're going to get stuck. Uh, it's not just a matter of hygiene. It's a matter of having the, the latest defenses available for the latest threats available. Now, right now, ransomware is the big threat. Uh, tens of thousands of people, companies across the United States have been hit with ransomware, where all of their data gets encrypted. And the company can't operate because it can't even read its own material. But for $10,000, $50,000, you get it back if you pay the, the hackers. Uh, that's an epidemic right now. There are ways around that. There are software packages designed to deal with that. But last year, when you were planning your budget, you might not have known that that was going to be the threat. You might not have bought something. Now you have to be agile and jump out of your budget plan and maybe get a little extra budget uh, and buy something to deal with ransomware. Um, you have to be on top of the game here. This is not something that moves 
At a snail's pace, it moves at internet speed. Dick, I want to ask you something um, and kind of, you know, pivot into more about the Yahoo breach. Um, there was reports that Yahoo was implementing spying software to allow uh, NSA and FBI reportedly to search through millions of email. There is a growing concern from the public about privacy. What do you think needs to be done to strike the right balance between citizens' privacy and the mission? Well, I, I think more openness on the part of the government. Now, in, the, in this Yahoo case, I don't know what the facts are other than what I read in the newspaper. So I'm not, I'm not relying on any insider classified information here. Um, but what the newspapers have said is that Yahoo was presented with a court order from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. Uh, now, I know how that court works. Uh, the government comes into the court and has to demonstrate a need uh, for a particular piece of information from a particular source. And the court then makes sure that there's no collateral um, damage done to other people's privacy. So if, in fact, if the court issued a, a search warrant for Yahoo, the only thing that the government would get back and be able to keep would be very narrow, specific information that they had demonstrated a need for uh, to protect us against terrorism or other foreign threats. Uh, it would not compromise all of the information that everybody else had uh, passing through Yahoo. I just think the government needs to be more transparent and, and explain, in this case, this is what happened. And if people knew what happened, they wouldn't worry about it. That's a good point. Dick, in this upcoming election, I think there's an urgency or should be an urgency to address some some of the gaps that exist in our federal cybersecurity strategy. What are some key components that each candidate needs to address as part of their strategy? If I were to ask questions to the two candidates uh, in, a, in a debate about cybersecurity, I guess I would say, are you willing to use the government's procurement power to change the market by saying that the government will only buy things that are highly secure, that we won't buy software anymore uh, unless that software has been proven by a third party, reliable, certified third party um, who's gone through the software and said it's secure. Are you willing to use the regulatory power of the government? Um, the government could, for example, um, say to the internet backbone providers, uh, you need to stop spam. You need to stop DDoS. You need to uh, look for malicious activity and stop it before it gets to the customer. Are you, uh, Mrs. Clinton, Mr. Trump, willing to have a government regulation that regulates the internet uh, providers to say that? I think you kind of um, hit on a really, really good point that's kind of near and dear to me is about third party having a third party to certify software as we've seen in the news of late and and ongoing the need for a underwriters lab to help certify you know software to be used not only in in the government but just just in in industry as well and and that's beginning um the a couple sarah and uh, peter zatko uh briefed uh an underwriters lab kind of thing uh, at Black Hat this year. Uh, and they've gone through a hundred thousand 
software applications and looked for, at a very high level, looked for uh, built-in security uh, or the lack thereof. And the briefing they gave at Black Hat showed that uh, Google Chrome uh, is much, much more secure than all the other browsers. And that kind of information for a consumer, whether an individual or a corporation or a government agency, that's really valuable information. I agree, because it helps the buyer to be uh, more informed in terms of the decisions they're making in terms of the products and services they buy. Absolutely. Right, exactly. Hey, Dick, before we let you go, what can we expect from you in this new year and beyond? What are some of the things you're working on? Well, I'm uh, working with a couple of state governments, uh, Virginia and New York, uh, to try to solve the workforce problem. Uh, one of the big issues, as you know, is we can't secure networks because we don't have enough people who know how. And there's a market failure here where there are lots of jobs and they're good jobs. Uh, in Virginia alone, we found that there are 14,000 empty jobs in companies and in government in cybersecurity. 14,000 empty jobs and the average starting salary is about $85,000 a year. Uh, and the only reason those jobs are empty is we can't find anybody who's qualified. So we're working with community colleges in Virginia uh, and universities uh, to try to create the curriculum that companies need uh, in skills that companies need from recent graduates. And then we're trying to create scholarships. Um, and both New York and Virginia have agreed to create scholarships for students who go into cybersecurity courses and graduate, and then are willing for every year that they got a scholarship to serve one year working with the state government to help secure the state government's networks. I think workforce development is a really important issue, but it's one we can solve. We know how to do it. And that's one of my priorities for next year. Hey, Dick, it's been great talking to you. Give me three predictions we can expect for 2017. Well, I think uh, next year you will see uh, more nation-state uh, cyber uh, activity. Uh, some of the things that we have seen this year may be trial runs for things that will happen next year. And those nation-states would not necessarily just be China and Russia. They could be nation-states like Iran, uh, North Korea, and others. Uh, we're definitely going to see more attacks on critical infrastructure. Uh, like this year, we saw the attack on the SWIFT banking system, and we saw the attack on the Ukrainian power grid. I think we'll see more of that next year. We'll see larger DDoS attacks. Uh, we'll see more uh, use of ransomware because it's it's been so um, really uh, successful for cyber criminals. Um, I think there's no reason to believe that there's good news uh, next year. The Internet of Things will expand dramatically. Uh, and most of the new Internet of Things devices that get connected to our Internet will not be secure or securable. So the attack surface will get much, much bigger next year. Hey, Dick, it's been great talking to you. I always admire the work that you do. Continue to do the work that you do. And thanks again. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Well, I think we have to wrap it up here. I want to thank our guest today, Richard Clark. 
We also want to thank our listeners for tuning in to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives on FedScoop Radio with your host, Kevin Green. Until next time, peace.